Welcome back, bass players and musicians of the world at large. It is episode 14 of the Better Bass Podcast. I'm Wyatt Walker Ware. And today's topic, today's title, actually, I'm going into the episode with a title in mind for once. Failure is always an option. That's uh, that's one of my favorite one-liners from uh, one from the from the TV show MythBusters. One of my favorite things to watch on TV as a kid. But failure is always an option. Applied to music and applied to practice, applied to performance, applied to what we do on a day-to-day basis as musicians. I'm treating this as a little bit of a follow-up to last episode, talking about uh, my my own personal 2023 kind of paradigm shift. And I wanted to put some caveats on that, because listening back to that podcast, editing that podcast, and putting it together, a lot of what I said sounds very, very harsh, and sounds almost like I'm denying the possibility of failure. Like I'm denying the possibility that I could put up a bad performance, that I could put up a poor performance, that I could have a really crappy counterproductive practice session or anything like that. Like that is completely unacceptable. And if that happens, I'm no longer valid as a musician and I'm not meeting my goals, et cetera, et cetera. And that's not, that's not reality. That's not the way that I think about these things. At least I'm trying to make it not the way that I think about these things. And I just want to talk about failing and mostly talk about how to handle it and how to respond to it and what's a productive way to deal with failure and especially failure at our art and failure at creation of our music and these things that we've worked so hard at and spent so much time on to to put out a mediocre performance. Just it, it feels terrible. It feels terrible in the moment, even just something as simple as missing a note just an inaccurate thing i reach for a, i reach for an f sharp and that's the note i'm hearing and i play an f instead oh no panic time that's the way i've responded to that a lot in the past is just go uh go full mental boom and allow uh, one missed note in the middle of a solo to completely ruin the rest of my night or worse Actually, I do not have good habits about dealing with failure. I've never handled that well. I've had a I've had a, a real honestly a real ego problem about it. In 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 college, this is a good anecdote. In college, Dave Liebman, the great saxophone player Dave Liebman, came through and put on a master class. And five of us, five, I think it was a five-piece band, maybe it was six played for that master class. I volunteered to play. I was studying jazz saxophone at the time. That's what my degree is in. And five of us played for Dave Liebman in this master class, and we put on a, a really, a really bad rendition of a, 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 a super basic jazz standard. I don't remember what, I think it was Days of Wine and Roses or something, but I remember it just being cacophonous. It was not, uh, there was not a whole lot of high quality listening going on. It was a really poor performance, even by the standards of jazz academia. It was a really poor performance. That was maybe a little harsher of a burn than I intended it to be, but you get the point. It was bad. And Lieben told us he did not bar Holtz. He told us this band is not swinging straight up. None of you have good time. None of you are playing with good time feel. That was a a large focus of the thing. And 
I wasn't singled out. He was speaking to the entire band that played. He was speaking to all of us. But nonetheless, anybody who knew me at that time knows that I was a, a complete emotional wreck for, oh, over a month after that. After hearing that, after having spent, or at least feeling like I had spent, the majority of my practice time for the past two years, my first couple of years in school, mostly focusing on keeping time and getting better time feel and a better sense of groove, because I thought that was what was really lacking about my playing when I came in and I heard, uh, I heard the other musicians at the school I was at. But I was a wreck. It, it destroyed me. It completely destroyed my ego. It completely destroyed my confidence. And I did not respond to that failure in a healthy way. And I took it to, uh, I took it to a pretty ridiculous extreme. Now, the reality of the situation was that at the time I was practicing wrong. I can, I can look back on it and say that now. I was trying to focus on the timekeeping and the time feel thing while trying to work on way too many other concepts at the same time and trying to apply it to music that was just way too difficult for me to really get into depth on that kind of practice on. And that's why I improved at certain things and I didn't really improve in the, uh, in the time and sound department for quite a while. Really, I don't think I uh, got much of the hang of that until I started playing the bass and until it became much more of a necessity to get some deeper focus in on that. But in my saxophone practice at the time, I was kind of doing a lot of damage, doing a lot of, a lot of overextension, a lot of unfocused, uh, I won't say unfocused, but not deeply focused practice and not being patient enough with myself to allow things to develop. Of course, I had no idea. I was, this was six years ago. I was 17. I had no clue what was going on. I thought I was just putting in all the hours and putting in all the time and shedding as hard as I could. And, well, I'm entitled to see some results now, right? I'm entitled to see results from my practice. That was my mentality at the time. And that's just not reality. It's not. Simply putting in hours and putting in work does not entitle you to improvement. Especially if it's not consistent, especially if it's not super focused, and I didn't recognize that at the time, of course. I thought I was just, you know, I was going to be better because I had practiced, and that's not really true. I needed to see my failure, and I needed to see my failure for the scope that my failure was of practicing wrong, and... I needed to tell myself that it's okay to practice wrong. It's okay to put on a bad performance. What's not okay is to respond to it in a way that cripples you and in a way that affects other people around you also. I, made, I, I really made myself not a fun guy to hang out with for a while in the, in the music program, the music scene at least, for quite a long time after that because I was so torn apart. So... Instead, what I could have done was, if I was really that emotionally affected, just take some time away from it, don't think about the saxophone for half a day, and come back to it the next day, reevaluate, okay, what do I need to do here? I gotta change something, I just failed at the thing that I've been working on for years, I just miserably failed, 
what can I do about this? What can I do different to actually see some improvement and to move in the right direction? And that's really how I try to approach failure now. From a, from a broad perspective, I think I'm actually pretty good at it. If I put on a, if I put on a terrible performance, generally it doesn't send me into a, uh, a complete mental spiral. Uh, it, it still can happen, especially if I'm in a, a high-pressure situation and I put on a crappy show. I will absolutely go home and metaphorically beat myself up. But what I've really been working on now and what I've been recognizing now is that I still don't respond well to failure at a micro level. That, that single missed note in the solo that I mentioned earlier, or losing the form once halfway through a tune. If I lose the form and it destroys my confidence, I come in at the bridge, the wrong spot, and somebody tells me second A on stage, and it just destroys my confidence for the entire rest of the night, guess what? I'm going to keep losing the form. If I have no confidence in my own knowledge of what the form is, I'm going to keep screwing it up. And if you allow yourself to become insecure instantly by performing one thing poorly, then you're going to put on a mediocre performance for the rest of the show. That's going to be the way it is. You might put on mediocre performances for the rest of the week if you allow that to, to wreck your emotional state. So recovering from failure is way, way more important than not failing in the first place. Getting back up is way more important than not falling. Really, it's a, it's it's kind of a it's it's a classic adage, it's a cliche, but I really believe it to be true, especially applied to music and especially applied to live performance where each part of the tune, each part of the song, each solo, each chorus, each verse only happens once. You've got to be able to move on from it and you've got to be able to say, "Okay, nope, that went bad." I'm going to move on to the next one, and I'm going to do the next one to the best of my ability, and I'm going to be okay with it, and I can save the reflection for the practice room. I can save the reflection for the next day, and I can save the pressure on myself for the next performance. There's certain, uh, there's definitely merit to not screwing the same thing up twice. I really, really try to make a point of that. If I screw something up on a tune, I make sure that the next time I play it, I do not make that mistake again. Because generally speaking, unless you're really crapping out on the whole gig, you're not going to get fired. You're not going to lose a gig for making a couple of mistakes. What you will lose a gig for is making the same mistake the next night or the next time you play together, the next time you play the tune together. That is when people will start to, to, to think less of your musicianship, in my experience. A single mistake, one time, doesn't really matter. It really doesn't. Of course, first impressions are, first impressions are a different story, but if you have put in the work to have great time and great sound, and you have solid knowledge of the music that you're playing, and you listen well, then screwing up the form here or there nobody cares. I don't want to say nobody cares at all, but people care less than you think. Now, this is very much me talking from my own perspective about how I give myself permission to fail, personally, how I give myself permission to have a crappy performance or screw something up in a solo or have a bad practice session, a tough practice session where I really go backwards. 
how I can be okay with myself for that. And I suggest you do whatever you need to do. Tell, you so, tell yourself whatever you need to tell yourself to give yourself permission to fail. Because if you're afraid of failure, if fear of failure is in control of you, then you're not really going to express yourself in a genuine way and you're not going to really express yourself in a creative way on stage. If you're not playing the way that you want to play, if you're not playing the way that you hear yourself and the way that you want to express yourself out of fear of screwing something up, then what you do is going to be contrived. It's not going to be your best self. You're not going to be expressing the best version of yourself as a musician, as a performer, when you're on stage in a band. And the other thing is just to respect the number of hours you've got left. Respect the amount of time you've got left in your days, in your weeks, in your months, in your life to be a musician and to improve and to continue your process and continue to do the work. I have to really give myself a kick in the pants and put it in perspective that, Wyatt, you literally picked up a bass guitar for the first time six years ago, and here you are now, and you're really gonna tell yourself that you suck and tell yourself that you're an invalid performer because you, uh, you forgot three of the chord changes at the end of the bridge of whatever song. Ridiculous. Really ridiculous. When I come at it from that perspective, it, it makes me realize how dumb that thought process is. And not only is it dumb, not only is it is it uh, tone-deaf and short-sighted, it's just, it's thoroughly counterproductive. And the way to make productivity out of this, the way to make usefulness out of this, is through objective review and reflection. And the objectivity part is the reason that I'm so obsessive about recording myself and about recording performances. And recently I've started to record practice sessions. I've started to record pieces and parts of practice sessions. And that's what's going to become my bits and pieces of that is what's going to become my social media clips, my Instagram clips and posts in the, in the, the, the foreseeable future, just because that's the most genuine way that I can do that, that I can still put out content, still solicit some kind of following and some kind of presence on the internet, because that's a necessity for someone coming up in this era, I think. That's definitely not the main point, that's the tangent. The main point of recording my practicing is to really be objective about how I'm working on what I'm working on, and get an idea of uh, the, the reality versus the feel. Something that feels really good when I'm playing it to a metronome and then I listen back to it and I'm like, oh god, I'm like half a sixteenth note off of where I thought it was. Something like that. Oh god, my dynamic control is really not there. This does not sound good. These chords are not balanced well. As soon as I go for a double stop or a chord, I'm playing at three times the volume that I was when I was just playing a single line. Things like that that... I perceive on a recording failures that I perceive on a recording that I don't perceive on instant feedback on just what's coming out of my amp into my ears as I'm practicing. And conversely, things that I might think are huge failures, a, a missed articulation, a little bit of a farted out, buzzed out note, something like that, or maybe even just a groove or a time mistake that 
I think is a huge deal in the moment as I'm playing it, and I listen back to the recording and I say, well, no, that's not really going to be perceptible to anybody except me. So having that objective evaluation is really what gets rid of the ego, for me at least. And it's what gets rid of this either either overconfidence sometimes, but what's more of a problem for me is a, a, a too great of a degree of self-deprecation. And that unrelenting self-deprecation without objective basis behind it is really just as much of an ego trip as thinking you're hot shit all the time and thinking that you can't make mistakes. It's the same thing, really. It's the opposite end of the spectrum, and maybe it's... Uh, Maybe it's a little more socially acceptable in, in some contexts, but it's the same thing. It's an ego trip. That's all it is. So when you fail, when you have a bad practice session, when you have a bad performance, if you have a recording, which I highly recommend every musician try to record as much of what they do as possible, if you've got a recording, go back and listen to it and evaluate it. Give yourself a day or so to sit on it if, you, if you're really compromised emotionally, then don't allow that to affect your process. Give yourself however long you need to recover from that. Then come back to it, reevaluate, and see how you can change what you're doing in the practice room to avoid that failure again. See how you can change your performance mindset to avoid that again. See what you can do to not make the same mistake twice and stick to the important parts of the process. That's all I've got for you today. If you're enjoying the show, be sure to subscribe to the mailing list, betterbase.substack.com. That's the home of the podcast. That's the home of the discussion. Sign up for the email list there. You'll get every episode delivered straight to your inbox. If you're listening on a streaming service, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple or wherever you listen to podcasts, it really helps to leave a rating. Leave me some stars. Help out with the, with the damned recommendation algorithm a little bit. Really helps me to grow this thing. Helps me to keep it going and keep putting this out into the world for y'all to listen to. Till next time, let's all be better bass players together, let's all fail better together, and I'll see you in the next episode. Mm -hmm.